0: Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. hi everybody thanks for coming back to the show Uh, i myself just got back from fort myers florida i was doing a a seminar at tiger lotus thank you very much for hosting me and thank you to everyone who came out we learned about anatomy and septums and doth piercings and we had uh, some time to do a little bonus information on nipple piercings and uh, that's kind of getting down to the wire on classes for the year i've got one more scheduled for atlanta georgia Uh, I have two sessions, Monday November 18th and Tuesday November 19th, but Monday is pretty much booked up at this point. I do still have about five or six spots available for the uh, Tuesday, November 19th class. So if you're interested in signing up for that, you can go ahead and shoot me an email at ryanpba at gmail.com or you can get some information online at precisionbodyarts.com slash seminars. You can also follow Body Art Education by Ryan Willett on Facebook and you can check out the event page on there. And uh, I should have some dates available for 2020 to announce pretty soon. I'm working on some classes for January, February, and March and uh, I should be able to to bounce around a good amount during 2020 and get a couple different classes done for you. Some other information coming up for the industry. Keep in mind that the nomination process for the APP Board of Directors uh, election is is open right now. So if you want, you can nominate yourself, you can nominate uh, a friend, you can nominate other piercers that you look up to, to uh, potentially be able to run for the APP Board of Directors. But please. Take it seriously, you know, try not to nominate people uh, as a joke or, or whatever, you know, um, think about the APP's best interests and put names forward of people that share your values, uh, your way of thinking when it comes to body piercing and people that you would want to see help move the APP forward and not just potentially hold them back Uh, it's a really complicated position there's a lot of work that goes into it a lot of emails to keep track of a lot of meetings to go to a lot of important conversations to really be thoroughly involved in so think uh, the people you're nominating do they have experience working with a nonprofit, are they experienced working on a team can they work with other people uh, support the projects that they're doing and create their own projects this isn't about personal glory this isn't about putting someone on there to be a troll or to stir up some shit uh, this is important work so uh, if you're nominated yourself think about it think are you going to be good for this you know do you have the time for it do you have the interest Do you have any experience that might be able to help you uh, you don't want to get on the board and realize that you have no idea what you're doing and slow everybody else's work down so try to think who are the people on the different committees uh, people who are on membership or people who are on the conference committee who people who are already experienced with doing some work within the APP uh, I myself am, am really going to be looking forward to uh, hopefully seeing Baron accept his nomination uh, and potentially run for the board. I think Barron would be really fantastic on the board of directors. I know there are a lot of other piercers out there who are hungry to get involved and to, to help make their mark on the industry that we all care about. Uh, something else to look forward to is the scholarship season. So, you know, we are really talking about positivity and getting other body piercers out to the APP conference. Uh, The scholarships aren't officially open right now, but you can read a lot of information about the scholarship process uh, right now. So you can go to the APP's website, safepiercing.org follow the links to conference information and scholarship information and start preparing those applications for when they open up Uh, the scholarship should be open somewhere around the end of this year I myself will be on the panel again choosing the Aldi scholars along with Caitlin McDiarmid and Kale Belford or Kale DeFrancesco sorry about that Uh, and you can really look now and you can start to prepare your answers start to put some stuff together maybe start putting your your intro video together Uh, we can tell when you wait until the last minute to throw together an application so even if you're a really strong candidate if you don't have a good application if you don't actually put some time and effort into it chances are you're not going to end up getting one of those scholarships which is really a bummer you know there are a lot of fantastic piercers out there that we really want to get to conference and if you can't get one of those ld scholarship spots keep in mind that there are other scholarships available there's the Piercers of Color Scholarship. There's the No Excuses Scholarship. Those are funded by body piercers for body piercers. Uh, I'm pretty sure there's also going to be a Piercer Babe Scholarship this year. Not exactly sure what that one's called. I think it might have been called Andromeda in the past. But if you're one of the people working on some of these scholarships and you want to share some information with me, go ahead and email me at RyanPBA or message me on Facebook. Let me know what your scholarship's all about. Let me know when your scholarships are open for people or what the criteria is or if you have a website, and I'm happy to share that on the podcast. While I was in Florida, I interviewed a former scholar named Erica Martin, who is a, a piercer in the the Florida area where I was teaching. We met up the morning after the class, and we sat down and we talked about just the state of the industry and scholarships, uh, what the scholarship was like for Erica before and after she got it, uh, talking about personal growth in the industry. It was a really good conversation, so uh, I should be having that one online within the next couple of weeks. should be pretty good. My guest this week is my friend Michele from really everywhere. Uh, He's an Italian-born piercer, but he's worked in the UK, he's worked in Scandinavia, uh, he works in Japan currently, and he's lived there for over 10 years, and that's where I met him. We've been uh, friends since probably 2008-2009 when I first went over there for scarification and now whenever I go over to Japan we, uh, we meet up for some dinner, we hang out a little bit and he's always a really good person to talk to. Really warm, really vibrant, really good personality, really good energy. And uh, you probably recognize his face and probably recognize some of that energy if you're a regular at the APP conference. Usually he's around the Anatometal booth, he does some work with them. You might see him with a camera in his hand, and for years he had long dreadlocks down to the floor, basically, but he's since cut them off, but uh, a really great person. We sat down in Japan and we talked for maybe an hour or so about all different kinds of ranging topics, but unfortunately my battery died on my uh, portable recorder, so we did this kind of round two on Skype, and we got to kind of crystallize the things that we wanted to talk about. And uh, we talk about a couple different things. We talk about the body art culture in Japan, uh, how it's technically legal, but you can also still technically get arrested for it. So it's this weird in-between point of it's sort of underground, it's sort of counterculture, but it's also sort of high fashion. So it's this really weird blend in Japan. Uh, We talk about transitioning roles in the industry and that's something that i think you know if you're ten or more years in the industry start thinking about that start thinking about what you want to do after being a full-time body piercer that's something that I'm, I'm really struggling with right now is what am I going to do when, when I am kind of burnt out on being a, a full time body piercer? And uh, what Mikele did was he transitioned into a support role in the industry uh, distributor for jewelry, distributor for needles, distributor for different supplies that might be a little bit difficult to get in Japan or across Asia. Uh, he works a lot with the Japanese piercing organization and uh, just a really good person who really wants to make sure that everybody has the tools they need to succeed. So it's a really good conversation. We also talk about Kawami needles. Kawami needles are available through Anatometal, if you're a piercer uh, anywhere that you can get Anatometal, uh, but they're made in Japan. So uh, Michele is a uh, part of that process and talks about uh, how the needles are made and the environment, made in a clean room, all this different stuff. So it's a really good, really fascinating conversation. So let's go ahead and get into this week's interview with Michele over in Japan. And I'll be back a little bit at the
1: end. Okay, yeah. Um, so, hello everybody. Um, my name is Michele. I'm um, I'm Italian born. I've been piercing for uh, for quite a while, but that started in 97 with an apprenticeship and then that actually stopped in 2011 because along the way I just many things happened actually the, the reason I, I'm not piercing right now is that I'm, I'm very busy running my company where I sell and distribute body piercing jewelry um, and that's what's going on now but in 2011 there was a lot of a lot of uh, personal events that happened and I, I had to make a choice and I temporarily... Uh, stop piercing, so I told myself it was temporary for, for very long, that actually until we we spoke last month and uh, and you gave me a lot to think, and then I realized that yeah, that probably I stopped piercing for the time being, wow. which is, yeah, but I don't see myself easily getting back to it because um, we're running a shop and with the, the standards that are, I, I would I used to run my own studio, and the standards that that I think are well the the one I would like to work is is very expensive mm. and, um, and requires a lot a lot a lot of work and dedication and, and I'm living in Japan I'm living in Japan eighteen years uh, i have it's It's harder for me here. so as in language barrier and uh, communication, so I, I never managed to even though I had a few uh, tentative apprentices. I never managed to have somebody to work with, uh, close, and then um, just running everything on my own. It, it was very tough, and that, yeah, so I don't know if I would want to go back there right now. So for now, I I made peace with myself, and um, yeah, we'll see what the future will uh, reserve for me, but uh, yeah, I stopped tell myself that uh, maybe tomorrow, maybe next week. <laughs> I I, I think I see that sometimes
0: in in body piercers that kind of transition into more of like the management role in a studio or if they're the shop owner and they have apprentices and things like that. I think they find it a little bit people find it a little bit easier to step out of being a day to day piercer when they have other roles in the industry, you know, whether it's a manager, a mentor, or a lot of people like yourself are going into being distributors or or working with jewelry companies, things like that. So I think that, I I think it's healthy to to kind of grow as a person and and move on to other things. Like you can always still be like a body piercer in in your heart. You know, like for me, I, I pierce less and less every year, you know, and now I pierce maybe Uh, five or six days a month, really, honestly, at this point, you know, and I still feel like I'm a a body piercer, even though I don't do it all the time anymore. But, you know, 10 years ago, if I told myself, you'd only be working a few days a month, I would have thought that I was crazy, you know, because I was used to working all the time, you know, six days a week, seven days a week for, you know, 10 years in a row, at least. So, I can totally understand kind of transitioning into other roles and I see that as very very healthy you know because you don't want to get burnt out and lose your love for it
1: no totally no I think it's healthy Uh, it's healthier now that I uh, you know I've kind of came to some sort of uh, uh, understanding with myself Um, but yeah, it is. And I mean, I mean, you know, I, I have the skills, and I think I know what I was doing, and I think I still know. I mean, the, the um, uh, anatomy and um, you know, biochemistry, all that stuff didn't change in the last couple of years, so right. I, I guess I have it. But um, even listening to the, to your podcast and and your guests, which most of them I know, um, I yeah, I still have the skill. I can probably pierce straight and. Proper place, of piercing heavy to heal nicely, but there's a lot of technical things that I used to be on top. That now I kind of I don't know. I I think I'm not as up to date as I should if I wanted to be a professional piercer. That I that to me is is the only way to actually pierce somebody else. I mean, not, not necessarily. I I would I I also think that people that self-pierce themselves or friends piercing themselves, I, I, fi- I think that it is fine. I don't think it's body piercing needs to be a business necessarily, but uh, doing that uh, to stranger people you don't know, friend of friends, etc., etc., I think the professional environment like a, a proper studio and all of that is, is, is necessary. I Yeah, that's, that's my view on it. I mean, well I, I I definitely agree,
0: and I think that again it goes back to you know you being someone who really cares and really identifies themselves as a, a body piercer i I feel like I would be the same way if i uh, if I didn't give it everything I had i wouldn't I wouldn't want to do it so it's kind of the same thing where i I would imagine what it would be like for me if I took a few years off or longer than that and then wanted to get back in because now you see. Uh, the way that people discuss body, I think that body piercing has been the same for, you know, 10 or 20 years on, on a certain way. And then very different on another way. Like it, the conversation has evolved so quickly, uh, and people are so comfortable with understanding like, you know, okay, this is my interpretation of the best jewelry. And this is my interpretation of the best sterilizers. And, uh, you know, that, that conversation constantly evolves and, yeah, and changes
1: they're... and you build, you know? People is talking technical details about pretty much every aspect of it, uh, going from well the the product you use to clean up, the gloves you use, and the needles and everything. And the, uh, it's amazing. I love it. I just feel a little bit cut off. I mean, I'm, I I specialize myself in uh, jewelry, and um, yeah, and needles. I'm trying to, but even then, there's so much. is so much. I mm. I um, when. I had the chance to work part-time as a piercer. The whole time, I still have that chance right now. I'm, I'm sure about that. Uh, but yeah, again, I, I never felt that was right. That would have been just me being able to say hey, I'm a piercer, and which is would be nice for me, easier for me in uh, social uh, conversations. But uh, it wouldn't be me being a the piercer that I wanted to be, where, right. which I for myself, because I see others. Others are good at being, wearing many hats all the time and and, and they excel in, in every role. Um, I'm probably not like that. I, I can do just very little things all together and do them right. Well, or I think
0: I you sell it. yourself short, for sure, but I, I, I appreciate the sentiment. I feel the same way. If, if you know, you're not, if you're not focusing on the individual parts of it, you know, maybe you're not going to be working to the the best of your ability, but you know, you, you talk about the work that you do with jewelry companies now, you know, and, and, and jewelry sales. And I, I have to say like, uh, you know, we met each other, um, maybe 10 years ago or, or was, or do you think it was more? more, more than that more? So maybe between 10 and 15 years, uh, I came over to Japan and I met you and, uh, you were gracious enough to let me watch you pierce for for an afternoon, and you were the first person I saw using um uh, uh ninety degree surface bars with like uh the flat bottom and and anodizing the jewelry so you could be sure of the surface polish and all these different things you know so like you were you were really really ahead of the game when you were piercing, so I can understand uh you know if you feel like you're not doing it every day now. That maybe the information is kind of changing around you, but you know, definitely don't sell yourself short because you were doing a lot of the things that people are doing now and that people prioritize now. You were doing those things 15 years ago, and and you were maybe one of the few people that really understood it. You know, the material and the, the surface polish, especially, and different techniques and things like that. And and I I learned a lot
1: from you. Well, well <laughs> that's uh... thanks for saying that. I don't I don't know. I feel like. I'm just very passionate, and I, I believe in trying to do the best in everything you do. And uh, body piercing, I, when I found body piercing as when I figured out it was a profession, and then I have been so lucky to be offered an apprenticeship, um, and my my mentor she had um, she took a gauntlet seminar in Italy a long time ago, and so she she provided me with those uh, uh, responsible body piercing and those kind of. Uh, Uh, material to study from Uh, that totally changed my life and I I, I found something that I don't know it resonated with me a lot and uh, I got very passionate about it so yeah I just wanted to do at the best as I could the internet allowed me to to see what others were doing uh, like in the US especially like completely different level to what I start with and uh, so i I don't know. responsible body piercer right so I think it's about responsibility I couldn't see things done in a manner that I thought it was better and not trying to uh, improve my ways I, mean, I think that's the big line
0: with with body piercers is like you know sometimes a body piercer just might not have been exposed to certain kinds of information about jewelry or safety issues or, or whatever you know maybe they didn't have a great apprenticeship or maybe they didn't have any apprenticeship uh, so I think when when piercers are genuinely trying to get better that's one thing but then when when you know the difference between why maybe external jewelry is not good and maybe internal jewelry is better and when you when you know those things and understand those things and make the decision of like well that's not important enough for me uh, or something I think that that is a completely different thing than, uh, you know, seeing information and, and working towards it, you know, and like always wanting to get a little bit better and, you know, working think... on your craft and all those things like that. That is definitely how, like you said, a responsible piercer, a safe body piercer, is just knowing the difference and working towards the goal. You don't have to have everything right away, but, you know, you always want to try to get a little bit better
1: every day. I, I guess you can't really have everything right away. Like, the, if you remember the cover of that booklet, the Small book is a puzzle And uh, the missing piece Was experienced that comes with time mm. um, It just You know, it's just a long game You can't I, I, I am, again, going back To many of the podcasts I've been listening to, your podcast um, There's Very few piercers start In yeah. a in a, in a super professional environment with high volume and, and all this, the high standards, we all start how we can. And, uh, yeah, I take time.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely did, uh, not the best work at the beginning, you know, because I was just, I was trying my best with the information that I had. And then mm-hmm. as I started to seek out new information that changed my perspective and it, it changed the way that I wanted to be a body piercer. And, when I started to see the things that I wanted to to work towards, you know that that really was a big, a big change for me, you know. And I I don't think I would have ever been able to get where I've gotten without exposure and access and meeting all these other piercers that knew more than I did and them being willing to share and, you know, and me trying to apply that back at home, you know. So it's it's definitely a, a process, a long long process sometimes.
1: I, I think that the the, the like uh, a few years ago, I I, I was trying to. I'm always been thinking a lot about piercing, and I was trying to figure out um, how what 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 is body piercing, like big question, and how does it work, and and etc. Now it's I don't know. I came up with uh, my own conclusion where there are a few. There's basically the the main um, is, is the person that wants. To be pierced that starts with all with that, and then there are a few aspects around it. And so I, I was trying to understand how it's possible that my first labret I did, my, my friend who received my first labrette, she's still wearing it, there's no gum erosion, it's perfect, it looks good, it's straight, it's fantastic. And I and I I was I used an externally threaded stainless jewelry that wasn't uh, ISTM certified because I didn't even know there was such a thing. Uh, I bought it where I thought it was a reputable place and all that. Anyway, it was very good piercing, it was my first. And then fast forward 10 years, uh, you never know, every time I have to do a labret, I want to make sure it's straight. It's it's not automatically right, you know, it's a challenge every time. So I I was trying to figure out how how it comes. And then I think when you just try to do the best you can with the information you have, you, you truly believe that you genuinely you're honest with yourself and you know that you are trying to do the best you can, I think the results will be good, and then that's the attitude that allows for growth mm. over yeah. time. I think it's an attitude. It's not just like you, you you said you've been lucky because the internet and talking with people, yeah, that's kind of a luck, but also it's your attitude that that m- pushed you to expose yourself to ask the questions to to you yeah. know to look out for what you needed.
0: I think that's the the common goal with with a lot of a lot of those piercers that I see like you know if you think about it as like inside the the APP bubble or outside the APP bubble like like that's the kind of the line that I like to use is uh sometimes there are, you know there are the piercers out there that they just they're not they're not trying to push themselves forward or grow as body piercers it's it's uh it's a job and it's not really something that they take home with them and then there are the body piercers who They go home and they they think about body piercing while they have dinner and they think about you know maybe the things they want to do or the things they want to improve and uh yeah you know i I think it is kind of a special attitude of just wanting to wanting to grow uh, as a body piercer is is a a really important skill i think
1: especially in this field i wouldn't see different because we are affecting other people's like profoundly i I, for some is really piercing is spiritual others is just physical, whatever, but definitely we are affecting others mm. and can, can, how can I don't know I don't know, I mean <laughs> I, I, yeah, my vocabulary is uh, poor, but I, I think it's, it's, again, it goes back to responsibility how can I wouldn't be, want to be the best when people pay me to hurt them <laughs> do I want to do it I want to do a good job. Yeah, yeah, same, you know. Trust me with fear I... and because people come often afraid, you know, and then you can calm them and get them through this process and then make them happy. Put a smile on their face. Just wow.
0: Yeah, I try not to use the the word spirituality, you know, and I, I wouldn't say that that is my, my goal or my drive, but I can definitely feel a connection sometimes with clients, not every client, you know, I don't want to lie and say that every client is like a life changing experience, you know, for me or for them. But, uh, sometimes you can, you can feel that with a client and you can, you can feel that satisfaction they get from it or that smile or, you know, they fall in love with a piece of jewelry or it kind of changes the way they look at their body. Like all those things are really, Really incredible, you know. When you get addicted to it, you get addicted to that satisfaction of like doing your best, and you know, making a making a client happy can be really, really addicting.
1: Is exactly that, you know. mm. And I'm not, neither I am a spiritual piercer, but um, I, I don't know how to describe. I don't, I don't really uh, dive, uh, dwell too much into things that I can't see and can't explain, and so I don't really get much into the spiritual things. But I, I, there are things that I don't see and can't explain. And so some emotion, you know. Mm. Uh, it's, the, most- it's just,
0: you know, connection. We we connect to people's lives. And, you know, even if we, as a body piercer, if you might have a 1,000 clients or 5,000 clients in a year, you know, like you, you see all these different people and pierce all these different people. And sometimes you think of it that way as just like, you know, the next person, the next person. But to those to those clients, you might be their only body piercer, the only piercing they ever had, you know, the one and only, and this might be like a really big life event for them. So uh, I definitely I definitely respect that connection that I that I have with people.
1: Totally, totally. I think I I always worked on my own, like uh, with with other friends, but I, I'm always been on on uh, in charge of my own. Um, I don't know, my own um, profession, my own environment. But for a period, three years, I worked at Pinpoint uh, in Oslo for Christiane. Otherwise, I'm always the the way I, I thought it was best. And um, since I came to Japan and opened rinkage with Koki, uh, Koki had a big influence on me. And uh, I don't know. He did, definitely did. And uh, since then, we, we were seeing things the same. And we... a a one-to-one approach so since I started working it it was also before I I, in some of the places I've been working um, most of the customer were friends you know smaller communities where everybody lost piercing that was fantastic but it's not always been like that some some other places there were uh, workings which um, we you know I just did the piercing not, not much more went on. But here, we always had this uh, one-to-one kind of uh, style where every customer was important and we would focus on the person. And, uh, yeah, try not, not making it long and bore them to death with whatever, just a piercing, but trying, you know, trying to make sure we realize we have a person in front of us and, and, and feel that some mm-hmm. software.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have seen the way that you that you interact with clients and you know, the way that you interact with with people too because uh you know, something I wanted to talk to you about too is your work with with Anatometal and I think a lot of people that go to the APP conference would would recognize you and uh you know, see you you know, usually with a camera in your hand and or over by the the Anatometal booth and you always have this Kind of like warm, welcoming attitude to people, and you always like to, to talk and interact with people. So I, I think it's important to, you know, uh, to connect to connect with people.
1: I I enjoy it. Actually,
0: I, I enjoy it, and uh, yeah. How did you How did you get started working with Anatometal? Was it something where you just you carried their jewelry and you you kind of struck up a conversation with them, or you know, was it a connection uh, with Barry? Or uh, how did that
1: start? Yeah, all of it, You know, I. I so I, I was a customer because I I when I when I managed to so when I left Italy uh, I, I moved to London and then uh, I had an internet connection there and uh, I met this other piercer uh, she introduced me to some online forum and then uh, that was fantastic and also I got into BME-IM and all of that. And, uh, I, I started um, getting to know other people and getting into those professional forums when where there were discussions about every aspect of it, right? as just like now. And Anatometal came up often, already back then, talking uh, 2001, Anatometal came up often as the top of the line, like best of the best, it was not, not the only company with we. Uh, very high quality product, but I think their customer service were, was already uh, standing out, and, and so I don't know. People were very excited about it, and um, just I I I, I, had, I ordered jewelry from the US, and I was amazed by, with the quality, and I wanted to switch over to that. So I, I chose Autometal. I went to the app in 2003 to become a customer and place my first order, and I started being a customer, and uh, and then I you know I working. I've always befriended uh, other shops around me. And so uh, we start ordering together. And then uh, from there, I um, I had a conversation with Barry one year uh, at the APP. And he asked me if I wanted to do that. Uh, I wasn't sure at first because it's a, it's a big, big, I thought it was a big undertaking, but eventually I accepted and uh, I'm very glad I did. And it's a huge undertaking. It's not a big, it's yeah, like I'm sure, a lot of work. Uh, but I'm happy. I'm happy. We we start this interview with me saying that I I kind of realized I I'm not piercing anymore. I just came to this realization now, and I miss it. But I'm very happy with what I'm doing. So I I think I have a somehow I'm still having. Well, I'm still part of the industry for sure. I'm in touch with all my friends, which are piercers or jewelry makers. And um, also, I think I can still contribute positively to the industry. Many more people are using uh, because I I provided at least for years uh, easier access to shops in Japan to jewelry. and um, So, since I started, many more shops are using the High, the fundamental Metal Jewelry, which I believe is, is a very high quality product, and so I'm happy. I'm proud of them because it's, uh, it's not been easy for anybody. You know? it's, it's been a process, but now some is really big. They grow a lot, and some others are still trying to find their their ground. But I'm, I'm very proud of my customers as well. They, it's, I'm very proud of them. So I think I'm uh, I'm happy with. Myself in this role because I, I think I I'm still doing something good. I'm not just trying to make some money. You know?
0: Well, I think that's that's a really important that's a really important part of being a community and not just being an industry, you know, because uh, You you could have a body jewelry company out there that just makes a product and sells a product and, and doesn't really offer support or something but uh, it, it's I think that's why the body piercing community is so special because you know, you know the names of the people making this jewelry, and if you have a question, you can talk to them and you can reach out. And just like just like what you're doing is, you know, you support you support the shops that that support your brand because you realize that it's it's a symbiotic relationship. You know, if they're not if they're not successful, if they're not um, you know caring about the product and the jewelry, uh, the, the jewelry can't exist. You know, and you have to listen to body piercers and and listen to what they want and what they need to answer their questions. And I've learned a huge amount about jewelry and being a good body piercer from, like, interacting with these jewelry companies. You know, if I have questions about material or if I have questions about polish, you know, like, there have been plenty of times where I've sent questions to Anatometal or any other company being like, hey, Okay, can you explain to me, like, why your gem settings are like this or you know where your gems are from and and why do you use those instead of something else and you know why is why is and polish I... so important like all that all that has made me a stronger piercer because those companies want to
1: support me and I, I, I totally and uh, I also recommend anybody who, who has the opportunity to go and visit one of those manufacturing uh, facilities because so, uh, the first time I went to an, an automaton there was in uh, 2007, sorry. And uh, I mean, I, I thought I knew uh, how metal is worked. And, and sure, I did. But then um, getting to meet the people that were making my jewelry and see the, their skills and craftsmanship and, and the amount of work that, that, that all the stages that go into making a threaded ball. I couldn't, I, I was thinking, wow, that's, anyway, it's not It's not cheap, it's a little bit pricey. But then after seeing that, it's like, how can they keep the price so low? There's so much. <laughs> yeah. is, it, you're paying salary to, in the US, to an American worker, uh, and it's spending, there's so many people working on a single piece, and then each one of them spending quite enough time. I, I don't know. It's mind blowing. It's just like wow. It's, it was a completely new level of respect that I got for everybody, and, and uh, I think it's important, you know, also to see not only the price value but to see the work value in, in the piece of jewelry. Anyway, um, we wouldn't be able to pierce without somebody making our jewelry, and so you know, they also they also part even even when you talk with a jewelry company you always speak with the sales representative the customer service but also the other guys the ones that are machining and polishing and, and bending and, and figuring out how to do all that they are, they are they are amazing yeah yeah you know
0: i i've i've been lucky to to have good conversations with some jewelry manufacturers and just like you said like it's it's difficult to just think about the logistics of it and how much work goes into one single piece of jewelry, you know? So when, when piercers get frustrated, uh, when they say, you know, why is it taking five months or something like that? What you really have to look at is a couple of years ago, uh, even, even just APP membership was only maybe like 200, 300 members. And now it's close to, I don't know, it's probably like 700 now at this point. So if you think about just, just that one, uh, customer base just APP members has probably tripled in the last five years uh, and then you got it you have to see like all the work that these jewelry companies are doing to keep up with that demand and they're making these enormous multi-million dollar investments and they're expanding in new facilities and new staff and you know every part of the process requires a small army of people you have machinists and then you have uh, gem setters and polishers and quality control and people packaging and answering the phones and accounting and everything that goes into it. It's, it's, it's like a monster of a job. And, you know, even though it is frustrating that we have to wait sometimes for our jewelry, uh, the quality doesn't drop, you know, it's still the same work going into everything. And it's, it's really, it's, it's mind blowing when you think about it, you know, and it's amazing that you have people like yourself who are super passionate about making sure that that jewelry can get to Everybody that wants it and everybody that needs it, you know, especially outside of the country where it's manufactured, you know, getting that jewelry in Japan is, is probably not an easy task for a lot of body piercers.
1: It's, it's not an easy, well the task it's easy, it's just, it's just uh, you know, it's, it's hard to deal with uh, everything that goes with it, like, um, it's very expensive. To the shipping is very expensive. So when you you either have to wait for the order to be fully completed, or if there are back orders, then what are you gonna do? And uh, you need to order a lot just to make it worth, uh, to to justify the UPS cost. But um, because I'm in the middle, then my customer here they need a ball. I send them a ball. You know, they, most of them they get free shipping because we have a we have all kind of deals. Where it allows them to get free shipping for for uh, um, if they order over a certain amount, like 200 dollars. And then if there's after our back orders, we get them later. We just send them for free, uh, like just to fulfill their orders. I mean, it's very convenient. If if without that, I know I know because I've been doing that for a long time on my own on my, as a as a customer buying from the US and or Europe. It's uh, yeah. It's not easy importing, and then you have to deal with customs and all that. Yeah, but it's okay. It's true. Sometimes it's frustrating. There, there has been periods with long waiting times, and uh, you know, all kind of things might happen. But right now, uh, anatometal is is having a very fast turnaround.
0: I know. It's that's super amazing uh, that it went from five months but, and now it's down to like. Four four weeks, six weeks, something like that? That's incredible.
1: Um, yeah, something like that. It's, it's very fast. And um, so that that's definitely nice. But even when when there was a longer time wait or where there are miscommunication or, or whatever, I I always I can't not think about the face of the people that I'm communicating with, you know. I, I read I read emails in the person who wrote them, voice. And if they bring a message from one of the guy uh, in the machine shop, I, I I read the message in the in my head in their voice. So I think that having also having this kind of connection with with people helps you to be uh, to get less stressed out. You know, you might mm. think, and yeah, but I understand. It's what can we do? I mean, they're trying their best. I know. I know for sure because I know them personally, you know. So I think that also helps me, at least. So talking about community stuff,
0: you know, you you also do a lot of work in Japan with uh, a piercing organization, uh, with some of the other piercers, you know, like I've met Asami when I'm working over, when when I've been over in Japan and stuff. So how did that that come together? Because um, I, I also want to talk about some of the kind of, unique legal aspects of body piercing in, in Japan, but how did, the, how did the piercing organization come together? So
1: I, I'm not sure how it came together. That that was, I, I would say that was before I came in Japan in 2002. Um, I know there was a meeting in 2003 which I didn't attend because I wasn't in the, in the country at in that moment. And then there was nothing for a couple of years, and then we got back together. The association is called JPPA, and so since I think our 2005 first 2005 meeting to now, we we've been growing a lot as an as an association. At the same time, our uh, members base uh, decreased. That because a lot. Of, uh, uh, that because. Um, Along the way, we decided to have some minimum standards similar to the APP standards. I think a slightly looser, but very similar. And that is uh, hard for that was hard for a few of the members. They will come back eventually. We have a um, meeting twice a year. Next one is going to be in a couple of weeks. The meeting is for members, but we also open to to anybody else who want to participate. If there are shops in Japan who doesn't who, who don't feel they can be members, they can, they're still welcome to come for the first part of the meeting. And uh, we often have guests from abroad. We have piercers uh, from uh, uh, Korea, Malaysia, China participating, and you know, which is all, or which is very interesting. It allow us also to get. Uh, To know what's going on in those other countries, we we get together, we discuss uh, all sorts of things, uh, how how we feel about some of the practices. We discuss, okay, legal age, what uh, what's the youngest we want to hear. So, you know, I, I I'm not sure. I guess the same, I guess very similar to what other organizations do talk about. I think
0: uh, sometimes piercers in the the U.S. Uh, they they kind of don't really think about the work that needs to be done because in the in the U.S. anyway with the APP a lot of that work has already has already been done for them, uh, but then in other countries like you see all these different, like, sister organizations, you know, you see JPPA and uh, LBP in Mexico and UK APP and, and all these different organizations, you know, there's there's a new organization starting up in Australia, and they're having to kind of make those same decisions and have those same conversations like, okay, we understand that there's APP criteria out there, and, and you know, that is something that can be internationally viable, but what do we need for our home region, our home country, and you know, our, our home population and piercers? And it can be a weird conversation sometimes because maybe there are, there are kind of gray areas legally, you know, piercing age, uh, you know, what kind of things are available as far as skin disinfectant or uh, sterilizers or different things like that. You know, how difficult is it to get? high-quality jewelry in, so are we going to be open to other kinds of jewelry and what kinds of gloves. All these different things are going to be different, you know, one country to another all around the world. So um, while I think it's, it's great that APP standards can be out there and be somewhat universal, uh, I, I think having local organizations is so much better for, for the quality of, of piercing in those areas because maybe APP standards don't perfectly fit everywhere around the world.
1: That's very true, and also, but um, it also must be said that uh, the APP doesn't provide only the standards. The APP is also an example, and the APP is a uh, like you know it's a reference for us as an as an external association. We can see what has been done in 25 years and what what how how the progress have happened. What were the decisions? I mean, all the experience that we can. Um, borrow from the app it really really helps we're not really we have differences because the um, country laws and and culture you know the different different mindset but um yeah we um start we are not reinventing the wheel i mean the app definitely set um an example on how uh Professional body piercing organization could be set up and run. I think it's a great example. I love the APP. I'm always being a supporter. Never managed to become a member, but after our conversation, I I, I haven't got around it. But I want to be a business uh, member at large. You know, mm. just that I can be a piercer. But I I just still want to support. Yeah,
0: I, you know, I I've always I've always loved the APP even before. I I was a member, you know, even before I I was capable of being a member because for a while I I didn't meet some of the standards, you know. Uh, But the APP has always been there, and I, I know that there have been points where people have said, like, you know, okay, the APP are a bunch of pricks or they're egotistical, and I'm sure any organization is going to have some of those types in it. But I think now when you look at the APP for the last... Five to ten years, uh, it's it's been so generous and just so open and welcoming, and you can really see that in like the explosion of growth of membership, and you know how many people have come to conference and all that stuff. And around the world, uh, you know it is it is a really great example of what can be done when piercers come together. And, and just like you said, it's over that 25 years because there were points where there were growing pains, and there were points where there was infighting. Uh, But like you have to look at how much progress has been made since, you know, Jim Ward and Gauntlet had those first few meetings to to where it is now at conference this year. And uh, all these other piercers and jewelry companies that have been kind of brought into that uh, that group of what what is the APP, you know, and and I really love seeing that same growth in other markets, you know, UK APP and BMX and and in Japan, you know, and and you can see the the growth and the, the work that everybody's done.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I I yeah, the same. I know. Plus I, I, I want to say I never personally never been much affected by um, you know the fact where the app internals I, I always admired and I always aspired to, to be a piercer who can meet the standards and join the association. I, I never felt you know, if if I couldn't join, it wasn't because people were setting up standards that were elitist. It was just because I wasn't ready, I couldn't meet those standards, but that's what I wanted to to, to get, where I wanted to get, so I, I never felt bad about it. And also, i never been in, in the association, so I never had this ongoing conversation, like uh, never had to discuss or fight with anybody about it. Oh. Uh, just being from 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 the other country, just look up to it and, and just thought it was just great.
0: Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, I've always enjoyed it. So, what are what are some of the the long term goals that you might have in Japan? You know, is it is it about raising jewelry standards or environmental standards or training or like what do you what do you discuss like what do you plan to discuss at this upcoming meeting?
1: Well, uh, I think. Mm, okay, you know, it's a, it's a, okay, good question, good question, let me start with good question, uh, <laughs> long-term goals, we, I, I'm not sure about the very long-term goals, but we have some medium-term goals, short and medium-term goals, um, we have been trying to uh, become, I don't remember what the word is, but become kind of um, APP members, as an association mm-hmm. would be. You know, there's some sort of, um, I, I don't remember, I, I should look up on the website, there's a word for it, where um, you can be an association and somehow uh, become connected with the APP. That's that's one of our goals. Indeed. I think the, the term that I normally use is sister organization. Yeah, we want to become one. We, we've been wanting to do that for a while, but then, we at first we were an association, but we weren't formally an association. Now we are. We are registered in one, and then now we have standards. Now you know we start, we're trying to reach the point where we can uh, join uh, as a sister organization. Mm. That is, thing um, for the past three years, um, the main one of the big topic was those coming Olympic Games. Next year,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. as well as as, uh, the battle that the legal battle that one young tattoo artist had in Osaka to fight a court ruling where he he was supposed to, uh, well, he was sentenced to having break some law because of tattooing and he had to pay a fine and uh, uh, you know it was it, it wouldn't have. Done in jail time, but it would have been on his record. So he fought that, and uh, we've been watching that very closely because while it's tattooing, it's somehow still similar to the situation we would we could have had with piercing, or we had with piercing a few times in the past. So that was very interesting, as well as the Olympic Games because the Olympic Games in next year they started. Um, a nationwide, nationwide conversation uh, between lawmakers, the government and uh, business associations and, and, and the public and lawyers about tattooing. Because uh, while tattooing is, an, is not illegal to be tattooed in Japan, there are many restrictions on, on where you can go and what you can do, and those restrictions are, are not laws, but are um, Widespread in the culture, and um, many businesses um, take them, accept them, and, and work with them, and they don't challenge those laws. But um, for example, is many uh, public baths and uh, the hot springs, many of them, many, uh, many, most of gyms, and you can't show your tattoo, and the swimming pools, you cannot show tattoos, you have to cover them, Uh, otherwise they don't let you in, Hmm. so that is, you know, Japanese people is used to it, most uh, Japanese people either don't have tattoos, or they know where to go, and they are allowed to go with tattoos, I never had a problem myself, other than the gym, where I have to go there fully covered, and I'm not allowed in the swimming pool, the public swimming pool, it's really horrible, honestly. It seems so strange that that a
0: a culture that can be so forward thinking uh, in, in different aspects of you know business and uh, that they would still culturally be blocked off to something like that. That doesn't harm anyone. You know, it's just it's yeah. a it's a cultural taboo, and you know it, it's been uh, carried over from previous generations, and especially uh, now that something like the Olympics comes in, and you think, okay, we're gonna have. Uh, thousands and thousands of foreigners coming in who are going to have visible An modifications and tattoos you know what are we going to do with them are we going to allow olympic athletes to to go to gyms and pools if, if even if they have a tattoo so it's it's such a strange conversation to have
1: in 2019 you see you see everybody realizes it's necessary and so there was there's been and still is going on big forum they, again, those lawmakers and lawyers and and the media and then some government officials and then the public and and business associations leaders. They all meet together. I think more than once a year. I think and um, they discuss the topic. They come up with uh, uh, surveys and, and such because everybody realizes is a, a big, it's a big, it's, in, it's an important thing hmm. to discuss. I am, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I'm not an expert in history of Japan, but I, I know that during the 70s, especially the 80s, uh, tattoos was very much associated with the uh, with the gangsters, and um, there were wa- during that time there wasn't it wasn't it wasn't until uh, 2000 that Japan had many foreigners or many tourists. There wasn't because. Um, it was a very expensive country, and uh, I think that scared off most people. Hmm. Now, now it's, it's so much tourism; it's, it's foreigners everywhere. And, and then the Olympics will come next year. That will even increase even more the the affluence of uh, foreigners, and that bring in like you know, um, bring in new perspectives on things. Uh, Japanese people is very welcoming, and uh, they are. Very open they like to to make friends with everybody so that um, getting to meet so many people from other countries other cultures that definitely is um, um, you know as uh, supporting us some some curiosity yeah, so I, I, need- I
0: never I never I never had any I never had any dirty looks or I never had any strange interactions with people the the few times I've been to Japan you know my piercings and my tattoos I, I think more people were uh, interested in my like big beard than, yeah. than my tattoos <laughs> or my piercings. But everybody in, in Japan has always been very respectful and very welcoming and very lovely to me.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I had the same experience. Uh, same for me. Yeah.
0: So talk a little so, bit about what body piercing is like, because every every time I've come over to Japan, I've had at least some sort of interaction with the piercing community, whether it's been going to... Uh, your studio, Ren KG, or going to Extreme, you know, to watch Gen work or to watch Asami work. And, you know, it's always been this kind of like walking on eggshells kind of thing because body piercing is legal, but you could still be arrested for being a a body piercer. So what's it like kind of working as a body piercer in an environment like that? And, And, you know, are there any stories you can tell about maybe people who have been uh, having to deal with legal problems in the past for body piercing
1: yes yes this exactly as you like you said is body piercing here in japan is not illegal that is because there are no laws about it it's not I mean it's, it's a job it's a profession and it's not there's no there's no thought about it you know in the in the laws in the past there there was a few accidents where uh, piercers have been arrested. Um, it's it's, co- it's kind of controversial, you know. I am, as in uh, a few piercer in the past had been arrested. There in the end, the ruling was something along the line of breaking some medical laws, but Speculations are rumors. Are that there has always been something else behind. You know, for some reason those people did. They had something else going on, and um, body piercing was the easiest way to to you know to reach them to hurt them. And uh, well, but that also is a precedent for us as. Um, you know, then it got us worried. And that's also what brought us together as an association, Uh, again and uh, regularly and with uh, everybody's interests, because we all wanted to figure out, okay, how can we change that? What can we do um, to start a conversation with the government in order to to provide them with, to, to prove that we are professionals, that we care, that we, you know, we we don't spread diseases that we don't really uh, put people in danger we are not doing uh, doctors work we're not trying to heal anybody or to treat anything so yeah that mm. that, that definitely was was but it is not easy um, that when we start uh, i was very involved very active and i was coming in with my uh, Western or Italian attitude and, and way of thinking, which um, was welcomed, but at the same time, over time, I realized um, that it doesn't apply here. Um, Japan culture and mentality is very different. The It's very different. I can describe it. I, I'm, I'm not good at drawing those lines. But, um, it's very different. You well,
0: know? I, I also don't think that I would really be able to describe it. Sorry? I, I don't think that I would be able to describe it either because, you know, I've been to Japan, I've been to Tokyo four times so far, and when people ask me what's it like, I just, usually I'll just say it's really weird. You know, it's really different, you know, and it's not just the the visuals or the food or something like that. It's a it's a completely different mindset of the the culture, yeah. so... Uh, just like, you know, dealing with, with political structures, uh, for anybody who's had to deal with that, it's its own thing, you know, and it's its its own political culture. And it's, it's, it's got to be really difficult having a conversation with someone who uh, doesn't really want to kind of pay attention to your industry being there. You know, like they're fine with it being there, like a you don't bother us, we won't bother you kind of thing, but it doesn't really seem like the government would want to engage and say like, you know, Japanese are getting pierced they're they're doing piercings because it kind of it falls outside of the cultural norms so it must be really difficult uh, trying to interact with with the government body and trying to get them to see body piercing as something positive can, and viable
1: I can see why it's not a priority of the government anyway um, 160 and more million peoples in this country and with all sort of Things happening. Uh, including, there's there's been earthquake and, and floodings and, and, and the typhoons just in the last two months with so many people evacuated. I mean there are huge problems. The Olympic Games organizing the Olympic Games. Fukushima is still going on. The body piercing. It's just a it's just a bunch of kids, you know, in, in, mm-hmm. for, for for the government. And uh, I, I can see I can see that it's still. Uh, you know we need to find a way to. Uh, protect ourselves and um, like so that's why we were paying attention to this uh, guy in Osaka who was fighting the system just to say I- I'm an artist I'm not a doctor I'm a tattoo artist and is an art and is a legit job and, and I'm doing it properly and he won eventually you know it took him a few years and but eventually he won so that's that's uh that's that's something to uh, we we bring home mm. um what So the thing is, you know, coming to to the association, and I'm Italian, so in Italy, when we talk, we we get very passionate. We raise our voice, and we talk, and we're going to fight. We're going to do this, and we're going to do that. Yeah, let's go on the street, you know. Let's write this. It doesn't work like that here. You know, people listen. They think about. Maybe they don't say nothing. And you wonder, why? It's not like that. You have to understand. But in the end, I, I... I, at one point I, I looked around and I thought yeah in Italy we argue and scream and do all of that all the time and nothing works <laughs> everything works and people is quiet so maybe I can learn something and that's where I I stepped out a little bit to be uh, you know very involved with the association I go I, I participate like any other member i I take I step out of thinking I needed to have a leading place there I'm, I'm much happier to to be of help, with that realization of a different mindset, and that mine wasn't necessarily uh, the right one, I decided to step back a little bit and, um, you know, just trying to listen and learn and um, be of help, trying to be of help, but not uh, trying to lead, you know, just Mm -hmm. more following others' lead.
0: Well, I, that's also another important part of, of a, a piercing organization is realizing that you're, you're one voice out of many voices, you know, so, uh, for, for any goals, whether it's talking with a government body or whether it's, you know, setting, setting standards or things like that, you, you need to kind of speak a little, but, but listen a lot and, and. Listen to what other people are saying and and kind of find common ground and and what can what can help everyone move forward. You know, I, I've saw I saw that a lot with uh, the the new Australian organization. You know, they're trying to determine what is our membership going to be. And in, in some people were saying, okay, this this is what my concept is, and other people were saying this is my concept. And then you kind of started to see people finding middle ground. You know, so in an organization where you're dealing with, with something that huge, like trying to get the government to change their mind on something, which is not an easy task. It's really important to listen to the other people involved in the conversation, you know? So that's, that's a really good thing that I, I think a lot of people could learn from is, you know, you, you want to be part of a group and not necessarily like the loudest voice in the group.
1: Absolutely. absolutely.
0: Mm.
1: So we'll see. We don't really, and then again, the long term goal would be, so we don't, I don't think the government need to change uh, much, you know, toward body piercing. We, the government, need, would need to start paying attention to recognize recognize that we exist and what we are doing, and then come in with some regulation. Uh, and hopefully, when that if and if ever that will happen, hopefully, they will see us and. Uh, ask our opinion and maybe want to have us, to talk with us, to you know, to get some insight on our profession and when that happens, if ever will happen, we hope to be ready with uh, being properly set up, proper standards, every shop member of the association be at their best and uh, to have some documentation ready, you know, just like what we learned from the app, basically. Mm. Well,
0: I mean that's well, that's, a, that's a great that's a great goal, you know. And if you don't feel like that's a long-term, long-term goal, I, I think it, it is, is because it's it's going to be a constant process of uh, trying to trying to show your best and try to say like this is what body piercing is to us. It's not whatever you think body piercing is, you know. If you're ashamed by it, or if you want to ignore it, or if you want to ban it, or whatever you want to do. But uh, I, I I think having Having people like yourself and and you know Asami and and other industry leaders like pushing the conversation forward in a positive way is is really important. You know, it's really really important work.
1: That's that what we're trying. I'm I'm saying it's not a long term goal. As in, so far nobody really pay attention to us. So mm. nobody really care about talking with us. I mean, from the government, I'm, I'm I don't know. If that (laughs) happens, we'll be ready. If that never happens, we still want to be the best shops we can. We we don't just discuss all this legal stuff, you know. We also, when we have the meeting, we talk about uh, how what can I do when um, I have this situation coming over and over uh, with the customer asking this question. I have the shop down the road with doing that. And what about this online thing? What do you think, you know? And then we discuss and then we share our, our view. And uh, that's also very healthy. It's not easy to do that online. We have we have online um, space. We have us, you know, we have the a Facebook group set up, but people is not very active there. Mm. But we're not very active there but when we get together everybody's happy to be together and to and everybody has something they they were waiting to discuss uh, with everybody else or to ask for an advice or opinions something else we do we sometimes we discuss techniques not not real uh, we, we never did a training uh, class or workshop or anything like that um, we spoke about it a few times but we we spoke about it, especially bringing uh, instructors from outside. It's just it's very hard logistically. We will see in the future what will happen. But for, for now, sometimes we we talk techniques. Uh, we we watch videos and we talk about that. And, you know, something like that.
0: Yeah, I always like seeing the pictures when the groups get together. You know, I I love seeing Japan. Yes, but like all the organizations, I just love seeing it. When piercers get together and they just talk about piercing and they just show how much they love it, like I, I love it. It energizes me. Even just seeing the pictures online, just knowing that the groups got together and had a good conversation makes me feel really happy.
1: Yes, this is um, it's something that I always look forward to. It's so nice. Plus, you know, all those guys they, they come from all over the country, so it's they are friends. We we became friends before the association just because I'm a piercer. I always try to connect with everybody I could and then most people is always been nice and receptive and, and so it's nice for me we get to see my friends it's like coming to the APP I get to see my friends in that occasion and then afterwards as in the APP we go to have dinner together and, and to have drinks and uh, we party we made jokes we talk about things that are not related to body piercing um, it's just nice you know yeah that's cool hey. Yeah. So that's the the thing is why is uh, we, had, we have conversation on what is the best day for the next meeting and this conversation can be like uh, I prefer September for me is October uh, for me it has to be during the week and blah, blah blah and then I think we decide the date for the next meeting which is going to be the 14th I think the date was decided just a few days ago because until the last minute Everybody's like uh, let me check my schedule let me check my schedule we are small. Yeah. Small group, so we 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 can effort to effort to do things like that. Yeah, I think
0: I think body piercers are always like the busiest people ever, so it, it's got to be difficult uh, finding a date for for a whole group of body piercers.
1: Yeah, they have to close their shop and
0: stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. so uh, to talk so. a little bit more about the the company that you run now, you know, what are what are some of the things that you distribute? Because you know, I know that you distribute. Body jewelry, but you know, do you also you know work with needles and
1: other items? Um, yeah, we do body jewelry um, We import from the US mainly that would be anatometal and uh, little seven and we still also selling uh, software and uh, from Mexico Gorilla Glass mm. and uh, Then we export uh, Kiwami needles There are uh, this is a uh, there are distributors um, in the US that will be Enet Metal, is distributing kiwami needles. And uh, in UK, uh, there will be uh, Blue Lotus. And uh, down in Italy, that's Aseptic, they are distributing the product uh, abroad. We, um, So that's a collaboration between um, me and Azami. It was, uh, uh, hold on a second. Konnichiwa! It's cool listening to hear him speak in Japanese. Ah, So uh, Yukiko came in and uh, she's working and um, so I just told her we're running an interview so just to be a little bit quiet. Oh, no worries. Kiwami Needles. I was looking for a way to... I was looking into needles, and I thought there were a couple of things that could have been improved on the, the high-quality needles. And uh, then Azami wanted to help, and eventually um, that turned out into this Kiwami needle, which I'm I'm proud of. I think it's a it's a great product.
0: Can you can you talk a little bit about the manufacturing on on your needles because. Uh, Sometimes, yeah. sometimes it's difficult to really explain, but when body piercers try one needle and then they try another and it feels so much sharper uh, And they can get such a cleaner piercing with it Sometimes it's difficult for them to understand what goes into the manufacturing process of it So can you talk a little bit about what make your needle special?
1: Um, well, yes and no as in uh, we don't manufacture ourselves. There's a company we partner with We have a contract and they are they're a big company that It's been making uh, medical needles forever. And there's a big facility. And they have have all the skills and the machinery. I I went and I was given a tour of the factory and the production and I was showing every step. And it is amazing. There's so many machines involved. How can you get a superior sharpness? That I don't have an answer. I guess it's, sure it's the geometry of the needles. But similar geometry, still you get different sharpness, that's definitely the machine you use. I, I don't really have a, I don't know exactly, well, I would be able to make a needle myself, you know. Right. And, <clears throat> but what makes our needle special is, I think, that um, one two things that set our needle apart is uh, the packaging. So it's the, because the packaging is being done by the manufacturer themselves in a clean room class six. That's class six is a designation on how much particles are in the air. And uh, so to get into the clean room, that was for me was the funniest part of the most exciting part of the world tour was the last part when we get into this room and then I have to remove my shoes and then I have to wear um, <coughs> um, air hat, some sort of a hat to protect my my hair from falling and then wear a, a white suit and sandals and then gloves hand wash and then gloves, and then spend two minutes in a um, wind room and then getting out on the other side where I would be scanned with metal detectors and that's where they pack the needles wow yeah. that's cool yeah so I'm, I'm very I think that's that's something. That's one one of our selling mm. point. The fact that the needles are untouched by anybody other than machines and some people in lab coats and gloves who are who go through them and inspect and pack them. Mm. So that's definitely the packaging. Um, I've seen how those those needles are silicone coated. I've seen the way the silicone is applied and is again there, there's um there is an acid, but it's all machine. It's it's all um automated process where the needles are passed through I I don't want to get too much into details because I I might just get it wrong Um, but yeah it's amazing everything is pretty much automated and machine made some of the needles, not ours, are laser like there was another thing, they have machines that use lasers to make sure of the sharpness and the tip the tip is as sharp as it should be. I mean, it's, wow, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing process. We trust this company, so I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't know much about the manufacturing process other than what I've seen.
0: <clears throat> I've heard, I've heard a lot of great things uh, about it. Uh, I haven't actually physically used any yet. I think I would I just, like to, but every, <laughs> every shop that I know that's using them loves them and they don't want to ever try anything else.
1: Yeah, try it. You'll love it.
0: Mm. It's, it's
1: and um, yeah, so another thing that uh, we wanted to make sure with this needle um, was well that to have a superior packaging to make sure that you know nobody handled your needle before you put it in the sterilizer in the sterilizer um, because. It's like piercing jury. You get the jewelry, maybe you want to put them in, in the ultrasonic and then sterilise them and pierce. You don't want to ultrasonic your needle. You might because it might ruin the sharpness. And mm-hmm. even ruin the coating. So you want the needle that you get to be as clean as possible. And then just be able to take it and sterilize it. Another thing we wanted to overcome, that's something that was uh, something that a problem we had with other brands in time was we want the fact that we wanted to make sure that once we launch the product the product that the needle would always be in stock. So we made a very large investment to make sure we have a large stock and that we are able to reorder, restock our product before it it's sold out. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I mean that's really important because when body piercers find something like a needle, which is, you know, if you really think about it as a body piercer, it's in, in simple terms, it, that's probably the single most important thing that, yeah. that we use, you know, <laughs> uh, and you, you, you need to always have that because body jewelry, let's say you run out of a, a flat back from one company, like there are multiple other companies where, you know, maybe it's not gonna be your first choice, but they're gonna be very high quality. You can yeah. get different jewelry from people. But needles, like, you know, if you're if you're saying, like, this is my needle, this is what I want from my needle, uh, you don't want to run out of it and switch to another needle that you think would maybe be not the best, you know, especially when that's the thing that creates the, the piercing. So, yeah, that that's a really simple concept that some people might not really think about as being that important, but it's super important.
1: Yeah, we had, we had this issue with... Um... Other brands in the past, and so that learning from that experience is like, okay, this doesn't need, doesn't, shouldn't happen again. Let's make sure it won't. So that was important for me to also have uh, that kind of setup, making mm-hmm. sure the stock was always there. So the needle is, is like you said, hands and needle, and and a piece of jewelry. That's all you need for a piercing. And um, I don't know what you're using right now. I, I don't really want to no the brand, but you it, it should try ours. It's, it's super sharp and uh, it, makes a, it makes a difference in the um, customer comfort for sure and as well as in healing. I believe that. I believe that the less cellular damage you cause with your technique and, and the needle you use, the, the easier it is for the piercing to heal.
0: Mm, yeah, I'll agree. Yeah, definitely. You know, yeah, <laughs> well, I'll definitely next time I make an anatomental order, I'll add some on.
1: Oh, yeah. Good, good. Cool. The cool. last... Um, last um, period i was piercing and that's also why I, I was i felt i was into something but i was, was i was really concerned about all this stuff you know piercing at that point was not only um the shape of the jewelry and the length of the navel curve or the eyebrow curve it's, it was more about how much cellular damage i'm causing what's um, how can i speed up the healing not with aftercare which i think the best aftercare is to be healthy and to have a good immune system Mm -hmm. but how can i what on my side i can do to 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 do things better and that's why i came to those thoughts is also the reason i came to those thinking is also because that's uh, how cocky is thinking when he's tattooing and when he's tuning and setting up his machines his I was amazed by, I, I got tattooed from him, I, I I worked with him many years and saw him tattooing and, and see how his tattoos, they don't get red and they look healed as soon as they're done and, and three days later you're already peeled off and then it's, that's it, you know, there's no nothing to do about it, just tattooed and healed. And I was like, wow, and so we start talking and he was talking about this, how when you, with your technique and then also um, how long you, um, keep tattooing on the same area, you create inflammation and disinflammation and, all, and blah blah blah. And so we, we will get on those kind of conversation and I would we'll do my research. And so I, I came to believe that the, the sharpness of the needle has a great uh, effect on how a piercing heals. It's not only that of course, it's uh, tissue manipulation and, and then your technique, how you use the needle itself etc. But I think is an important factor. I really believe
0: that. Yeah, that's super important. It's just, it. it's a good thing. It's a good way to think about it. You know, uh, body piercing, you can you can try to do things at the back end to make it heal easy, you know, aftercare and things like that. But if you think about it at the very beginning of uh, cause as little trauma as possible, that that's going to make everything that comes after it much easier. Yeah. So, uh, to, to kind of wrap it up, where, where can people, uh, find your, your different products that you, uh, that you distribute the jewelry and the needles like online, where would they look for that?
1: So the needles has its own website. That's uh, Kiwami needle, Kiwami needles, kiwami-needles.jp. Um, our, my company has a website, uh, which is, uh, may jp. And, uh, yeah, that's it. I mean, we, people outside Asia, or outside Japan or outside Asia, they might have little use for our services, and uh, they probably have a better, uh, they can get, uh, they probably should buy the needle the needles throughout our distributors, because that makes it much easier for them. You Not know, the needles, uh, honestly, we, we, we sell worldwide from here. So if you want to buy directly from us, you're very welcome, but sometimes, um, going, having the needles going through custom can be, um, can be an issue. In many countries it is an issue. Uh, we can't guarantee that we can't really do nothing. We can only send it to you. We're going to send it with, uh, with an invoice that said piercing needles because that's what's in the package. We're not going to lie about it. And uh, then it's, it's on people to get it through custom, which is not the easiest thing.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that. Well if people if people want to make it a little bit easier, they can always do uh anatometal in the, the US and Canada or anywhere that you can get anatometal jewelry shipped to you, you can get kawami needles through anatometal. And if you're in the UK you can get them through uh Blue Lotus, which is actually the anatometal distributor for uh for the UK. And then did you say someone also in
1: Italy? Aseptic in Italy. Aseptic in Italy, cool. Yep, yeah. awesome. Yeah. Uh, they're they're carrying the needles from, from since the beginning, and uh, they're good good place to uh, to go and um, get them if you're in Europe. Absolutely, awesome. Um, awesome. It's well, much easier to go through them. Uh, we yeah. because it's easier for us also to um, to get it through custom where we deal with uh, another company than with us. Uh, often piercers are not a real uh, business entity other than uh, self-employed. So that that also is a, is, a, is one of the challenges when having projects going through custom. Right, right.
0: Okay, all right, well, um, I really appreciate you talking to me and especially thank having you. to do it a second time because when we <laughs> tried to do this in Japan last month, my batteries died on my portable recorder and I lost the interview. So <laughs> thank you for making the time to do it again.
1: Thank you for the second chance and uh, well, thank you for everything, for this conversation, for the podcast itself. Uh, I find it very stimulating. I love it. Thank you,
0: thank you. Well, I'm really excited to uh, to have you on it, and I'm really excited to uh, to come back to Japan again. I love it over there, so uh, you know yeah, I'll, I'll be over again for sure.
1: Hurry up. next time uh, we go, I want to come with you to see wrestling. Yeah,
0: that would be great. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Do that. Cool. Well, we'll make plans for that then.
1: Well thank you again thanks for uh, for this phone call and um,
0: let's talk soon okay alright have a good day at work I'll talk to you soon okay bye Bye-bye. bye alright thanks for talking to me Michele I know you're a busy guy I appreciate your time and I definitely appreciate all the time that uh, you the podcast listener has been giving me lately too uh, I've been getting a lot of listens uh, that Dr. Evil episode from a few weeks ago uh, was one of the biggest episodes I've ever done you know over a thousand listens to that one already and I, I really appreciate everyone Uh, I'm going to be spending my spare time today trying to figure out my next couple of classes for 2020. So it looks like I'll be doing Phoenix, Arizona, Reno, Nevada, and uh, the Flemington, New Jersey area. So I'll have some some new information to release to you pretty soon. And that's going to be my new 2020 Advanced Bevel Theory class. I took uh, a lot of the questions and a lot of the topics we had been going over in my all-day Understanding and Applying Freehand Piercing Techniques class. That's kind of like an introduction to bevel theory, kind of a beginner's bevel theory sort of class. So now I'm going to be working on uh, where do you go from there, the advanced versions of that. So talking a lot about uh, bevel theory, but how you apply it for wound shaping. You know, how do you do a surface bar piercing with those 90 degree ends and, and keep a healthy amount of tissue? How do you do it without clamps? to be talking about tissue separation you know a lot of the the piercing techniques it's really not about cutting the tissue apart with the needle a lot of it can be about separating the tissue layers and making it a little bit less traumatic uh, talking a lot still about needle crushing i still get a lot of questions on that and the more that i get comfortable with needle crushing the more information that i can share with you uh, i've started crushing a lot smaller needles or improving needles uh, a lot smaller size 16 gauge 14 gauge piercings with uh with those flattened improved crushed needles talking a lot about that stuff and talking about how to recover a blown transfer that's something that i think a lot of piercers struggle with if you know if you lose connection between the needle and jewelry how do you recover that without having to put a needle through somebody again or without having to traumatize them by just trying to you know force in the jewelry or or having a muscle through it so i going to talk a lot about that stuff uh, it should be a pretty good class, so keep your ears open and uh, check out precisionbodyarts.com seminars make sure you follow Body Art Education by Ryan Willette on Facebook, I'll, uh, I'll share whatever information I have there if you're a, a regular listener to the show and you're on Instagram, go ahead and give the new Piercing Wizard Podcast Instagram page a follow, I'll be talking about different updates I'm going to try to do some content, you know when I'm out there in the world and I'm uh, recording these interviews, maybe I can get a couple little uh, bit, bits of content and different stories and stuff like that for you online, so Thanks for listening to the show, and I'm going to be back next week. For more information about the show, visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like Piercing Wizard Podcast on Facebook. For more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcast, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved.